Well, good morning. My name is Matt McClure. I am the youth pastor here at First Woodway, and I am so excited to be able to share with you this morning. Uh, before we begin, I want to just be able to just tell you how grateful I am uh, for this church, uh, for accepting and receiving my family and my two kids in such a gracious, amazing way. God has called us to First Woodway, and uh, we left a church we had been at for 16 years, family and friends, and you have stepped into the void. Um, and God has just affirmed that one step after another. And I'm just so grateful for our staff. We have an amazing, amazing staff. We have an incredible student staff that I get to work with, an incredible legacy with Bob Johns to be able to follow, grateful for Paul Sands and a fantastic pastor uh, to be able to serve under. And so, and I'm grateful to be able to share with you today. Um, so on Wednesday nights, um, I'm taking some weeks to teach our high school students a series I'm calling For Real. So kind of kicking things off in a ministry here, I wanted just to be able to kind of set some foundational truths that we have uh, that we want to build on with our teenagers. And so there's several things that I feel like teenagers really kind of struggle with as far as understanding what it means to follow Jesus. And those are things that you have to always come back and hit over and over again. One of those would be, I called real faith. And so that would be just, what does it mean to truly be saved and to know who Jesus is? When I counsel students who may be um, feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit and God pulling them and God sharing his love with them and they need to make a decision to follow Christ, um, wrestling with what does that mean? And when I ask a student, have you ever been saved? Um, they may say, oh, many times. Or they may say, I, I, I've gone to church before. Or, you know, yes, because my grandma is saved. And so we have to kind of walk through that uh, to help them understand. So we did that my very first Wednesday here. And praise Jesus, we had one student who prayed to receive Christ that very night. What a great way to start off a ministry, I think. Um, to see a student come to know Christ. Last week, we talked about real struggles. So like there's this idea that, you know, once you ask Christ to come into your life, you're never going to have any problems again. And we know that's just not true. And to help students understand that because Jesus is in your life, he's going to walk with you through that. How can you be a person of faith who goes through real trials, but yet has real peace, the peace of God who is over them? So we talked about that last week. So I kind of want to bring you into that series as I get a chance to share with you today. And I'm calling this Real Grace as we talk about for reals. You know, there's a lot of things that are out there that in today's day and age, you may not really know for sure, is that real? There's a thing that's out there. It's a real problem. It's called uh, deep fakes. Now, this is a, a thing that in technology, they can take the image of a person and change their face to be somebody else and put that out on the internet, and it looks like a real person doing something real when that person didn't actually do that or say that. In fact, it's gotten so good that today you could actually be on a Zoom call with a person. On the other side of that Zoom call is actually a computer-generated image of a person, and the people on the other side of the screen would never even know it. It's crazy. Like, how do you know what's real? Now, have you ever been caught in sharing on social media something, an image or a story or a news article that you later found out actually wasn't real? I, I've, I've got caught in that before. 
several years ago as a youth pastor, you know, I come from Oklahoma, the land of tornadoes. And um, so when um, we had this one spring, it was like every time we turned around, they're blowing the tornado sirens. And so it was then on a Wednesday night, students were at church, they blew the sirens, we took all the students, we got into a safe spot, and I was shared this image that you're going to see on the screen. And that's downtown Tulsa, that's not far from where our student building is, and, I was, and a tornado actually did go by downtown Tulsa. And so I saw that image and I reposted it, and one of our parents in our ministry is actually one of the weathermen on one of the local news stations. He sent me a text, he said, hey, take that down, that's not a real picture. I was like, but it's so good. Right? Like, that, that's a Photoshopped image. So it's a real event, but a fake story. So I, I took down the image. Um, you know, not sometime after that, there was a tropical system that came through Texas. Y'all always send them up to Oklahoma. Came to Oklahoma while we were at camp, and, the, and it just stopped right over where we were at camp. And it rained, and it rained, and it rained. It rained so much that camp had to be evacuated. Now, everybody was safe, nothing bad happened, but we were actually taking pictures. The creek, it was at Falls Creek, you may have heard it before in Oklahoma, but the creek got so high that our students were trapped in our cabin, like we couldn't get out. Now, it wasn't dangerous, we had everything we needed, but we were taking images and sending those back to parents saying, hey, this, um, you know, this is what's happening, we're safe and okay. Same news station called, said, hey, can we use your Facebook uh, video to share to our Facebook page? It was like, sure. The Weather Channel called them and said, can we use your Facebook images from First Baptist that you're with? To, you know. by, the end, by the time we got back in Tulsa, our Facebook page, the student ministry Facebook page, had been viewed almost half a million times by people across the country. Then I got a message from the staff at Falls Creek. Now, there's 5,000 students at this camp altogether. Do not share any more images on Facebook. I was like, well, that's weird. That's because this image got thrown out there on Facebook. <laughs> now, I already told you everyone was safe. No one had any issues. But when this image hit the web, this is a real image. This is not Photoshopped. Okay, this really did happen. All of a sudden, people are saying, now, we don't know how many people are on that bus. Let's just pray for all the lives of the people that are, that are there. This is a, looks very scary. But the story of the image was never shared. So they, the creek was rising, so people were moving their cars. This youth pastor went out and got on his bus, backed it up, and then went back inside the cabin. What he failed to do was put on the parking brake. The bus rolls down into the creek, and as it goes down the creek, some little teenager hops out and takes a picture of it and puts it on his Facebook page. So, you know, it was the right image, but not the right story. There's so many things that we believe as followers of Jesus that maybe we don't teach as a church, but get kind of like embedded in our belief system. And that's one of the ones I want to talk about today. Will you take your Bibles and open up to Ephesians chapter 2? We're going to look in uh, verses 8 and 9. One of the reasons social media can be tricky is that you believe a rumor that really is a false information, but it veils itself as the truth. So here is a, here is a, uh, a belief commonly held by people that's not true. It's here on the screen. It says this, for, for you to receive God's grace, you must do something to earn it. 
There are a lot of teenagers that believe this, that in order for you to be saved, surely there's something you have to do to earn it, to receive it. Um, you know, I've gone to hospitals before. It's not just a problem with students. And I've, I've prayed with people who maybe are facing an end-of-life situation who have just said, oh, I just, I pray I've done enough good things. You know, I pray that the good that I've done has outweighed the bad. Even though this is a person who spent their entire life in church. You know, we um, often have to face these false truths that work their way into our belief system. But then we've got to balance it with what God's word says. Will you read with me here? Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, and we're going to read verse 9. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. See, there's this tension between doing good works and having this faith saved by grace. So really, I have just two main points I want to leave you with today. Very simple. The first one is this. It is that good works don't work. The good works don't work. You can be good, but it will not help you with your eternal destination. See, we're inflicted by this deadly disease called age. No, everyone who is born someday will die. And so because of that, uh, we have to wrestle with what is our eternal destination, and many are trying hard to secure their ticket to heaven based on what they do. I've been a part of funerals before where the person there may not have known who Jesus was or the family just doesn't know. So there's a lot of talking about all the wonderful, great things that person may have done. And this, this false belief of being saved by good works begins to seep its way into our belief system. You know, we're not helped by the fact that we're surrounded by other religions that are based on man's work, whether it be Islam or Hinduism, Buddhism, or rooted in a man's efforts to save himself. But in biblical Christianity, which teaches salvation from a biblical viewpoint, teaches this. It says that for by grace you're saved. And grace means this, receiving favor and kindness from God. God's favor and kindness are given despite the fact that we don't deserve it. And there's nothing you can do to earn it. Because of God's great love, he has given a gift of which we don't deserve. It's hard for us to understand that no matter how hard we work, there's nothing we can do to earn or receive God's free gift of salvation. The Bible tells us in Romans 6.23, it says this, that the wages of sin is death. The wage being your penalty, your price for sin in our life is death. Not a physical death, because we're all going to physically die someday. He's talking about a spiritual death and an eternal separation from God. Your penalty for sin is this eternal separation from God. But then he goes on to say, but the free gift of God is eternal salvation. See, there is this gift that God wants to give you. He wants to give you eternal salvation. That means when our physical bodies no longer work, our spiritual souls continue to reside with God in heaven. You know, I tell our students all the time, 
You know, when you wake up on Christmas morning when you were a kid and you had presents under the tree, did your parents stop you and be like, whoa, 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 $20 before you can open those presents, right? Breakfast made, rooms cleaned, mom's feet rubbed really well, right? We don't do that. So when we give gifts to our kids, we, I mean, it's, we give them freely, you know? I know Santa's list has not even nice, but mom and dad's list doesn't even have one, right? You give it regardless of what uh, they've done. That's why good works don't work. For your salvation, it is not God does 95% and you do five. God does 100% of it. There is nothing you can do to receive that from God. And why would God do this for you? Because that free gift, as Romans 5 eight says, that he showed his love for us, that while we, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't do it for us once we decided to follow him. He's like, okay, now I forgive you. He did it for us while we were still enemies of him, living apart from him, that he still loves us enough to forgive us. Ephesians chapter two, verses four and five, if you go back a little bit, says this, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. His mercy and his love, and while we're, we're still dead, man, Christ gives us life. You know, I learned this principle years ago from a youth ministry author named Boba Shears. And he said this, when talking to students, you can say, you know, um, so many people spell religion D and O, meaning do, things that you have to do. You got to go to church and you got to give money and you got to serve the poor. You got to do these things. So those are all great things we should be actively participating in, but it's not required for your salvation. But like when Jesus came, he changed that spelling to D-O-N-E, which spells done. That when Jesus went to the cross and he died for us, he said, it is done. And there's nothing left that you have to do. So Ephesians 2, 8, 9, again, it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from your own doing. It is a gift from God, not a result of works. Look at that last word, works, so that no one can boast. That leads me to my second point, and it's this. Good works don't win. So good works don't work. They don't actually save you. But at the same time, good works don't win. And for so many in the church, we try to show how spiritual we are by what we do. And if you're like me, you want to be a winner in everything that you do, in your job and career and your family and your marriage and, and everything, you wanna be a winner. I, I come from Oklahoma, I make no bones about it. I went to Oklahoma State. I'm putting my office together right now. I put an OSU sign up in my office. Ronnie Higgins quickly slapped a picture of some, something that happened at the Big 12 game last year on top of it. Let it all begin. I saw it's like, wear all gold at Baylor. I will be there in my orange this coming Saturday, you know. But we want to win, right? And I love winning because I'm a long-suffering OSU fan. It doesn't come often. 
but we want to win. It's the same in walking through faith, that we want to be winners. We want to be able to be successful at what we do. But here's a problem, that we see that God is pleased with us by what we do and how much we're doing for Jesus. Well, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, he says that we're his workmanship. Workmanship comes from the same Greek word where you can get the word poem from. See, we are a beautiful story written by God, not to do to make him happy, but we, it's already decided before him what we are to be doing. He's created us to do good things, not to make us look good, but to do good things to make God look good. That's why we do serve people, come to church, you know, share the gospel because it makes God look good, not us. And we have it ingrained in our mind with so many people. Man, if I do something for my neighbor and I, I'm going out of town and I call him and I say, hey, I'm going to be out of town. Will you, you know, check my mail and you know, keep an eye on my house and water my flowers? Yeah, 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 I can do that. And then I get back and my dog's like half dead and my flowers are all dying and dry. When my neighbor calls me and says, hey, I'm going out of town now, I, you're going to be like, I'm busy that weekend. Because if you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. And as followers of Jesus, We've put that into our faith that if I do something great for God, he's going to do something great for me. And then when we get to that moment of real struggles and we find out that we have an ailment, a sickness, a death, a family crisis that we're in the middle of, our faith is broken when we say, but God, I did so many great things for you. Why aren't you doing these great things for me? Remember, I scratched your back. You should scratch my back. And that theology is broken because that's not how it works. God's created us for good works. And through those issues, through that crisis, and through that pain, God wants to make himself known, not just to you, but to the people watching you. See, this next Wednesday with our high school students, we're gonna talk about what it means to have real faith. That in those moments, how can you have a faith that is contagious to the people watching you. It's not because your life is perfect. It's because you live an imperfect life with the grace of God over you. And that's such a beautiful way to live. So if you remember anything today, remember these two things. One is this, good works don't work, grace works. Good works don't win, grace wins. So in preparing for this today, because we're talking about things that are real, I don't know if you know this, but communicators from stage, we're really good at sharing stories that we don't even know are true or not, right? Makes a good story. So there's a story that's been going around since I was in high school, and maybe you've heard it before. It's a story about a man who, he works at a, a toll bridge, and he has a son. Y'all don't, I see people shaking their heads, and the son gets on the gears, and here comes a train, and he lowers the train, and the son dies because he's on the gears to sacrifice his life to save all the people on the train. I actually looked this story up, and did you know that is a true story? There was a man back in the um, Great Depression who lived in Oklahoma, and um, 
he moved to Mississippi to get a job where he was a train operator uh, for a toll bridge. And his son came to work with him. And the story is true that his son was on the gears and ended up dying when the bridge was lowered for a train to come through. In 2003, there was an independent movie producer in the Czech Republic of all places that made a, um, a version of that called Most. And in that movie, uh, it's a short movie, and it was nominated for an Academy Award, and it shows this man and his son and this like tight relationship that they had. And uh, it was like a single dad, and his son was with him, and, and they just had this beautiful relationship. So the son goes with him to work. On the same side, it shows these people getting on a train and people who were um, strung out on drugs, people who had this like carefree, laissez-faire lifestyle and just living it up in all ways possible. And the man was this um, humble, humble man who had very little wealth. The people on the train were these wealthy people with no care in the world. And as the train is approaching the drawbridge, the sun falls down on the gears. And it focuses in on this moment of this like, this absolute um, grief that the father has as he makes the choice to lower the bridge at the very last minute to spare all the people on the train as he gave up the life of his one and only loved son. It's moving and it's powerful. And as a train goes by on the bridge, the movie ends with him looking up and one of the, the people on the train, you could tell was depressed and just nothing that they were doing was meeting a need, looks out and they connect, they have this visual connection. And it's as if she knows he's done something to save my life. You know, Jesus came and he died on the cross and he did that for you because he loved you. And he loves everyone who's far from him. And maybe this morning you're here and you've never made that commitment for Jesus to be the leader of your life and the forgiver of your sins. Maybe you're here this morning and you know, man, I, I gave my life early and I've lived with Christ as a Christian for years, but I've got to this point where I feel like I'm doing things to make God pleased with me when God is already pleased with you and that he loves you. And if that's you this morning, I just want to invite you as we close out this service to come to the crosses, to my left and to my right, to pray, to pray to ask Jesus to start that relationship today with him and pray to ask Jesus to just renew your life and remind you that what you do is not for your glory, but for his. Will you pray with me? Father, we love you. Thank you for this message today. God, we pray, God, there's somebody in this room who has never taken that step of salvation. God, today, will they just make that choice to ask you to come into the life and be the forgiver of their sins, Jesus, to be the leader of their life. Father, will you just give them the strength to step out of their aisle today and to pray with one of our um, prayer guides. God, for those who may be here today, Lord, this message is stuck with them. They just need someone to pray with. God, may they be able to do the same. And Father, we love you. Thank you that you loved us enough 
that you gave us the absolute free gift of salvation, that there's nothing that we can do and we can rest in the fact, Father, that you have done it all. Jesus, it's your name that we pray. Amen.